Coming to you live from the JRE Tobacco Aladino Mobile Studios, it's the Cigar Pulpit. Hello everybody and welcome to another sermon from the Cigar Pulpit. I'm the Bishop of the Burn, Nick. And today, it's going to be a little abbreviated and a little bit of a view of the past. Um, so, before we get into everything and I explain what I mean by that, why don't we now... Uh, jump into the first bit of business that we have, and that is cracking open the um, June My Monthly Cigars box. We received this the other day, and I've been waiting to crack into this, so I already have cracked the Boveda Seal of Freshness. But, you know, before I do that, um, I need to know... Um, oh, you've got to be fucking kidding me. This is how unprepared I am, I swear. I, amateur hour, guys. Amateur hour here at the cigar pulpit. Um, when you find out um, what's in the box, what's in the box? Saw you with the box. What was in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? Anyway, so <laughs> I thought I had that on my soundboard. Did not. Had to look that up on the fly. This is what I get for thinking I'm prepared. Anyway. So, I've cracked them over to seal of freshness, and we have the bag. And see, this is a special one. This this, this is a special box, because this marks, I believe, the beginning of Nick's fifth year at My Monthly Cigars. And let me tell you guys, that's a, that's a big deal, because um, when it comes to a small business, you know, five years is kind of that make it or break it point, you know, where you take a look at it and determine, like, okay, is this working? Should I keep going at this or should I pull the plug? And uh, the fact that Nick has made it to five years, um, you know, he's, he's entering his fifth year um, with my monthly cigars. That's a big deal. That's a really, really big deal. So anyway, we have cracked open the box and we have cigars. We have the bag of cigars, let me tell you. And then from there, we have a special treat. We have coffee. We have some fucking good coffee. We have both a sample bag of the lounge coffee as well as the Daily Press. That's the Cigar Pulpit Daily Press right there. So you guys are going to be able to try the awesome fucking good coffee if you got this box. We have stickers. We have cards. We have all kinds of fun stuff. But then also we have the information card. We have the information card here. And Nick has done something different which is causing me to have to do something different right now for the show. But, uh, you know, I, I knew he was planning on doing this. I didn't know he was going to be doing this now, but that's okay. Um, but the it, whereas before, he would list off the cigars on the card and, in, and include, like, information about each cigar. Now it's a QR code. So you scan the QR code, and that'll take you to MyMonthlyCigars.com, where you will learn all about the cigars within the box. And so now we're going to look at the different cigars in the box. So first up in the June 2023 box, we have the Alec Bradley Double Broadleaf. It is a 5x50 Robusto featuring a Connecticut Broadleaf wrapper, Connecticut Broadleaf and Nicaraguan binder, and filler made up of Honduran and Nicaraguan tobacco. Um, after that, we have a uh, cigar from Drew Estate. It's the Drew Estate 20-acre farm. It's a 5.2 by 54 Robusto featuring Ecuadorian Connecticut wrapper, Habano and Honduran binder, and Nicaraguan and U.S. from Florida uh, filler. And that comes in as a medium strength. The uh, double broadleaf, by the way, was a full. After that, we have the 5 Vegas AAA 
It is a 5.5 by 55 Robusto featuring Pennsylvania Broadleaf Maduro wrapper, Nicaraguan binder, and Nicaraguan filler. It is a full-strength cigar. And the final cigar in the box here this month is the Punch Rare Corojo. It is a 5.2 by 54 Magnum, or Robusto, featuring an Ecuadorian Sumatra wrapper, Connecticut Broadleaf binder, and filler made up of Nicaraguan, Honduran, and Dominican tobaccos coming in as a medium. So, we have, what, one, two, three, four, four Robustos this month in the... Uh, June, my monthly cigars box, and we uh, we have those to pick from. So we're gonna go ahead and crack open the bag and see what we what what strikes our fancy. You know what what hits us and uh, makes us want to try something. Now, I haven't had anything to smoke today. Admittedly, haven't had anything really to smoke much this weekend, and I'll get to the reason why in a little bit, and that'll also explain why this episode will be a little little abbreviated, but it's not a, it, it's going to be a little different. So, anyway, um, you know, I'm leaning towards the 20-acre farm from Drew Estate. I haven't had that yet um and that with that uh, ecuadorian connecticut wrapper um makes me think it's going to be kind of a nice mild to medium smoke and like i said haven't had a whole lot to smoke this weekend so i kind of feel like that's going to hit uh hit the palate just right so we're going to go ahead and get that out of the cellophane here and i can do that without being obnoxious and then I, since I had that all packed up, I need to go ahead and uh, prep a photo for this episode. Um, so guys, yeah, uh, like I was saying, this, this weekend has been um, kind of busy. Um, so I have my son this weekend, and normally, um, the way it works is he would have gone home um, with his mom um, on Sunday. However, she uh, is uh, out of town, and so I had a little extra time with the little man, which I love. Do not remotely get me wrong here, but it has thrown my schedule for things into a bit of a tizzy. There we go. Got the cedar off. Had to get the cedar off. That would have created quite the smoking experience without it. Uh, or with it, I should say. Um, anyway. Um, and so, anyway, it's thrown my schedule off quite a bit. And so I have just a very short window here now to do this episode because he's at summer camp for the morning. And um, then I have to pick him up and uh, spend the rest of the day with him. And I don't actually get to drop him off um, with... Uh, with his uh, mom until um, Tuesday, which is when this episode is supposed to be out. And so uh, it was either a matter of doing kind of an abbreviated episode or doing a late episode. And I opted to keep my deadlines because I have other things that are pressing up against deadlines um, as well uh, with the newspaper. And so I figured, screw it. We'll just do this, and we'll go from there. So, anyway, it's time to go ahead and cut the cigar, and the official cutting is brought to you by Dan the Man Ponder over there at Riverman Cigar Company. And, guys, Dan the Man Ponder 
We had a fantastic uh, little customer um, barbecue competition on Saturday. Um, we talked about it a little bit here on the show beforehand, but um, it, by all accounts, it was a great time. Uh, had three customers competing in the parking lot cooking uh, cooking ribs, and a uh, big shout out to King, who was the uh, first place winner in that competition. I know Dan is looking forward to maybe making this an annual event, um, and uh, he uh, he had a good time. Um, the guys from the Smoking Butts and Tap and Ash Barbecue uh, um, team and podcast they came up and they were the judges, and they had a wonderful time as well. And uh, unfortunately, like I said, I had my son, wasn't able to make it. Um, I'm sure my ex-wife would have loved to have known that I brought him to a cigar event, but I did not. So, haha. Anyway, um, it was a good time, had by all from all accounts. And how could it not be? Saturday was a gorgeous day, a little warm, but a gorgeous day, sitting outside underneath that 1,500-square-foot covered patio, having some great cigars and barbecue. I don't know how you could have a better day going for yourself. So um, keep on the lookout for little events like that at Riverman Cigar Company. You know, Dan gets ideas and things pop up and and happen quick sometimes. So you never know um, what's going to be happening over there. And if you're in the St. Louis area, swing on by like i said you might find out you know there's an event going on here soon if you're not in the st louis area but you still want to support a brick and mortar shop give dan the man ponder a call over there at riverman cigar company he does do mail order so you can get your cigars sent to you through the mail post haste it's riverman cigar company crestwood missouri and with that it's time to go ahead and cut the cigar and i'm gonna give this guy a straight cut here because why not and on the cold draw, hmm, hmm, little bit of barnyard, but also cornflakes. I'm tasting cornflakes, like the cereal. So I don't know if that's that uh, Connecticut wrapper or what's going on, but I'm getting, getting kind of a slight barnyardy cornflake thing going on. Anyway, I'm going to fire up the cigar here, and uh, then we'll uh, continue onward. So, anyway, um, as I was saying, guys, um, this episode is a little abbreviated, because I got my little man, and uh, he, uh, he's seven. Pardon me. Got to get the cigar going. He's seven. And so the prospect of doing a uh, uh, full podcast, especially by myself, um, with a seven-year-old is not feasible. And so um, I'm trying to fit this in the window that I've got. Anyway, um, so with that being said, um, we are... uh, Let me check my show notes here. Explain why it's a short episode. We're going to go ahead and jump right into the One Must Go. We all need to live united, but One Must Go. Brought to you by United Cigars, makers of La Giana Havana, Abuelo, Red Anchor, Firecracker, and of course, United Cigars. Distributors of Jose Dominguez, Garofalo, Montoza, and Terranova, and the highly acclaimed Atabay, Byron, and Bandolero. Buy United, Smoke United, Live United, United Cigars. 
I gotta say, right off the bat, I'm really digging this 20-acre farm. It's um, perhaps a little lighter for my taste than uh, uh, flavor-wise, at least so far in the very beginning, right off the foot. Um, but uh, it's a smokestack. This thing is kicking off a ton of smoke, and the draw on it is really, really good. Um, so, got that going for it. Um. Uh, a little bit of spice, <coughs> oh god, on the retrohale. Although that could be the fact that I haven't had a cigar since, uh, when did I have a cigar last? Friday night? Friday night. I didn't have anything this weekend. Um, this was, uh, this was a very busy weekend, hanging out with my kid. Um, we hit the splash pad, we hit, uh, the magic house, we hit, uh, which is a place here in St. Louis. If you're in St. Louis and you got little kids... You know about the Magic House, but if you're traveling through St. Louis and you've got little kids, look into the Magic House. It's a great place. Um, what else did we do? We uh, went by Puzzle Warehouse and picked out some puzzles. Um, we did all kinds of fun stuff, but that is not relevant to the One Must Go. What is relevant to the One Must Go is Pinky and I briefly touched on um, dating uh, in the last episode, and uh, some of the rest of you have also... Uh, wanted to know about you you've asked for a window into my dating world and um, for f a few different reasons at this time I'm going to refrain from getting into too many details about that um, but what I will say and what I would put forth is a one must go and so obviously because I'm flying solo I know what I'm asking and I know what I would do um, but this is something that maybe for the single people in the audience, uh, this is something you could call into the, uh, ask the boys hotline about and just kind of like, you know, give weigh in your thoughts on this. I'm kind of curious. Um, so one must go first date options. So these days, um, let's, let's back up just a second for those of you in the audience that are fortunate enough that you don't have to worry about dating these days. Um, these days, dating sucks. It's a dumpster fire, by and large, and uh, it sucks. The whole process is difficult. Um, most everything is done online um, through apps. Um, I suppose you could be one of those people that meets somebody in a bar or the produce aisle or something like that. But um, realistically, that's that's not the norm these days. Um, I don't have an office. I, I'm self-employed. I do not have an office. If I were to meet somebody at work, that would be a sexual harassment issue because I'm the boss. Um, but, uh, but a lot of people meet people through workplace, um, situations. Maybe they're fixed up from friends. Never had a friend offer up to fix me up with anybody. So, you know, there you go, pinky. Um, but, uh, you know, it's just kind of one of those things that, that these days dating is done online. And so you match with somebody and, you know, you're matching solely based on pictures and a, and perhaps a brief little biography that's written about yourself or that person that you see on their profile. And you match and you start texting and it's and you're texting back and forth for a while and that's how you're communicating. Uh, you may have a phone conversation or, or two or three or however many, maybe a video chat so you can actually see the person and realize, okay, they are who they are, you know, in their pictures and that sort of thing. 
But eventually you get together. And it seems like dates fall into one of three categories. Dinner or, or a meal. I'll just say a meal. Drinks, which would constitute either an alcoholic beverage, perhaps at a bar, or going out for coffee, or, you know, just, just meeting up for drink, a, a beverage of some sort. And then the last one is an activity where you're meeting up and you're doing something, be it uh, going bowling, going to the movies, um, you know, you're doing something. And so I guess my question is, of those three categories, what is the one that must go for a first date? Assuming that you've had um, at least a few days worth of communication via either text or phone um, prior to meeting. This is not like a cold situation. You're walking in cold. But uh, but it is the first time that you're meeting in person, and so there's that. Now, I've thought about this a lot, and personally, personally, I would probably get rid of, if I had to, I know it's not necessarily the one I'm most comfortable with, but I would probably get rid of dinner. Or, or a meal. I'd get rid of a meal. And I'll explain why. Drinks, it's a very low commitment type of date. You go, you have a drink, you have, you know, your beverage. And um, if it works out, great. You can schedule something forward. Or you can even pivot to something else. You can say, hey, this is going really well. Would you like to go get, grab something to eat? Or, or something like that. You can pivot from a drink. Um when you go to a meal, it's there's a, there's a time commitment, and if you get to that meal and you quickly realize this person cannot converse at all in person, they're great in text, but they cannot converse at all in person, um, then you're stuck through that meal, and you're dealing with that meal. Um, I've had that happen. Um, there was one gal we met, uh, we texted for quite a while. It was very nice. We finally met up. Um, she wanted to meet at a Texas roadhouse at 3.30 in the afternoon when they opened. I thought that was a little unusual, considering it was extremely early. Um, she said that, that we'd be able to beat the rush, which she's right. At least around here, Texas Roadhouse does get busy for dinner. Um, but uh, it felt very old person-ish and whatever. But anyway, we got there. And um, we met there at the restaurant. First time meeting in person. And um, yeah, uh, let's just put it this way. The heaviest thing for a person to carry is a conversation. And I sat there and I carried that conversation for damn near an hour while she shoved rolls in her face. And, um, you know, it was what it was. And it was awkward. It was very, very awkward. Um and we did not have another date after that because she, for a variety of reasons. But the but the th- but what I'm getting at is, had it been a drink instead of dinner, it wouldn't have gone on nearly as long as it went on. And so I would probably, you know, cut those. Now I have ignored the activity section. Truthfully, that's the one I'm least comfortable with. I'm more comfortable with the idea of dinner or a meal or drinks because you're sitting down 
and you're conversing and you're getting to know the person for a while. The idea of doing something, be it, you know, um, any sort of activity, that that takes a lot. I feel as though... I feel as though that takes a little bit more planning because you have to know the person. You have to know what they're into, what they like, what they don't like. And because the last thing in the world you want to do is schedule something. And this person perhaps absolutely hates going bowling. And, you know, that's what you pick. and Or, or playing darts or something like that. And they absolutely hate it. But they're doing it because that was the date they were invited on. And they're having a miserable time. You know, so I don't personally... I don't personally subscribe to the activity as the main part of the date. Like you can start with drinks, pivot to an activity, start with a meal, pivot to an activity, but don't, don't start with the activity. And I do not start with a movie. I don't even do a movie theoretically, uh, you know, for the first few dates because you're just sitting there in silence. It's the most pointless dating activity. But anyway, uh, for me, the one must go, I would get rid of the meal because it's the most um, it's the most potentially problematic for an awkward time. Uh, if you have an activity and it's not going great, you can throw yourself into the activity. If you're having drinks and you're not having a great time, you can bail early. But if you're having a meal and it's awkward and it's not going well, you're kind of stuck and it sucks. So for me, I'd get rid of the meal. Like I said, listeners, if you're single... And you're doing experiencing this uh, dumpster fire with me. Uh, maybe uh, reach out and let me know which one would you cut. The one must go segment was brought to you by United Cigars. United we smoke. All right. So next up on the agenda here, we have the. Uh, mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, guys. Flavor-wise, I'm not getting a ton off of this. It's a very light smoke. Um, it is, a, it is, you know, it, it, it calling classifying a medium. Sorry, Gervais. I'm going to, going to bust you out here for a minute. Calling it medium. Um, that's a little generous. I think the only thing that's medium on this is maybe the spice on the retro hail, but the actual smoking experience itself, um, it's a very light smoke and everything else. The thing that is impressing me about it is a, the ash holds on really well. B, I'm in a bit of a wind tunnel, and my burn line at first was a little wonky. It has corrected and is pretty straight. And C, this thing is a fucking smokestack. I mean, it is kicking off a lot of smoke, and um, I'm digging that fact. The draw on it is really, really good. Um, the uh, smoke production on it's really good. I am digging that aspect of this cigar. Anyway, uh, why don't we go ahead now and get into the Villiger Entertainment Report, and that's brought to you by Villiger Cigars. Um, Guys, Villiger Cigars, fantastic cigar brand. They've been big overseas. They're breaking into the North American market. You guys are finding out about them, and we're helping you find out about them every time we talk about it. And um, you guys can go to their website Check out Villiger Cigars on their website and find their store locator to see a store near you that carries their cigars. Um, The Villiger de Nicaragua is fantastic. They've got a couple of new cigars that are going to be breaking out at PCA that you're going to want to be looking forward to. Um, They do a TAA cigar each year. And so if your shop near you is a uh, TAA cigar, we got a guy rolling down the street in a pickup truck that apparently does not seem to want to start. 
Um, anyway, if your shop is a TAA cigar uh, shop, then you can look into those cigars. I'll tell you what, the 2020 is still my personal favorite. Uh, if you can find those, it's Aces. Um, but uh, I have I have thoroughly enjoyed the 21 and the 22 as well. Um, anyway, Villiger Cigars, check them out. You're going to like them. So this is the time of the show when we discuss, you know, kind of things that have been entertaining us, be it movies, TV shows, podcasts, books, whatever it happens to be. Um, I've kind of been catching up on some TV. Um, I did finish up the Larry Sanders show. Solid. I do feel it maybe continued on for about a season or two too long, but let's be real. This is the this is the nineties. It was, you know, early um for that kind of thing. Um, I was talking with uh, Gervais about it a little bit, and he and I both kind of agree it was Seinfeld before Seinfeld. So, you know, the big difference is that I feel like Larry or Gary Shandling's character, Larry Sanders, um, is a bit more uh, un- nah, not unlikable, but a little bit more. Um, yeah, a little bit more unlikable than Jerry Se- uh, Seinfeld's character was on Seinfeld in that. Uh, um, Larry just happens to be a little bit more direct with his, um, idiosyncrasies, whereas it seems like on Seinfeld, they kind of split those idiosyncrasies amongst Jerry and George and Elaine and Kramer and kind of like split it up so that one person wasn't that neurotic. But anyway, um, good show. I rec, I, I liked it. If you're looking for a time capsule of the early nineties, and uh, just kind of a nice little sitcom. I thought it was good. Um, I'm currently burning through the last couple episodes of Succession. I'm down to three episodes left before the ending. Um, not going to lie, this last season, aside from the big moment in, I think, like episode three, I think it was, three or four, um, not going to lie, this season has been kind of flat for me. It's not kept it 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 it, i don't know i i i don't feel like a show that was as good as it was um is ending on the note that it should be ending on but again i have three episodes to go maybe those final three episodes are going to change my mind and things are going to get wacky in those last three episodes Additionally, I am uh, as soon as I'm done with Succession, I am going straight into the second season of The Righteous Gemstones because the third season of The Righteous Gemstones is going to start uh, premiering on HBO this Sunday on Father's Day. And so um, I am looking forward to that because it's a fantastic show and I need to check out the second season before the third season starts. Hell, that is what I've been watching this weekend um aside from copious amounts of story bots on uh, netflix still loving the story bots so anyway that's been the villiger uh entertainment report and now we will go ahead and uh find out a little bit more about my monthly cigars which is where this cigar the 20 acre farm from drew estate came from This would normally be the time that I give some information about My Monthly Cigars, but I've hired that out this week, so take it away. My Monthly Cigars is a premium cigar subscription service. It comes in a variety of different size boxes at affordable prices. Use offer code PULPIT and get free shipping on your first box and 20% off any items in the online store at MyMonthlyCigars.com. 
That's offer code pulpit. Thanks. And guys, as you uh, heard earlier when I opened up the June My Monthly Cigars box, not only did you get uh, some great cigars this month, but you also got some samples of fucking good coffee because Nick has fucking good coffee. So while you're over there at MyMonthlyCigars.com, check out the fucking good coffee. Uh, you can get the Daily Press, which, as I said, is the pulpit blend. The lounge blend is really good as well. He's got a variety of different flavors and stuff. You're going to want to check it out. It's 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 a good time. It's a good time. And then, uh, as for my monthly cigars, it's a nice subscription box sent to your door every month. You know, you don't have to worry about it. You get four good cigars, and it gives you an opportunity to try some different things. Like, I, in the humidor, walking through the humidor, going shopping. Have I heard of the 20-acre farm? I have. It was one of the Freestyle Live cigars that Drew Estate did. I remember when it came out. And, uh, you know, did I try it at the time? No. And um, would I have tried it walking through the humidor and just looking at it? And I can tell you, with all honesty, probably not. I probably would have looked at that Connecticut, uh, heck, uh, the the Connecticut wrapper, and I would have said that it's going to be too light for me, and I'm not into it. And realistically, it kind of is a light smoking experience. Um, it's hitting me really well right now because I haven't had much to smoke this weekend. But realistically, it is a little light for me. But, mm. but that's the beauty of my monthly cigars in that because it came in the box, I had the opportunity to try it. And this is this is the whole point of getting my monthly cigars. You get cigars that you see in your humidor that you can then turn around and try and experience and see if you want to try them again for later. So it's mymonthlycigars.com. All right, and I'm going to hold off on three cigars we smoked and enjoyed this week since, as I said, I haven't done a whole lot of smoking this weekend. Um, doesn't really make sense to go ahead and do that. Um, and then what else do we need to touch on? Oh, um, the socials. We are available at uh, Instagram, at The Cigar Pulpit. We also have a Facebook page, but then we also have a Facebook group, I should say, uh, called the Cigar Pulpit Parishioners. You guys can get in on that group. It's a private group. Find it. You know, request to join. I'll add you. It's no big deal. And um, get in on the group. Get in on the fun. There's all kinds of stuff being posted in there. There's a group chat. Um, people post, you know, uh, pictures they're smoking. They pick, you know, it's all kinds of fun stuff. So just get in on the Facebook group. Uh, there's a Twitter where I don't really do much of anything, but uh, I'm holding on to it because maybe someday I'm going to have to. There's YouTube where you can watch this. And then, um, guys, this is this is a little bit of an announcement. So ask the boys. Ask the boys. We typically do at the end of the month. Um, you can give that hotline a call at area code 863-874-0000. And you can get your questions in. Now, this month, um, I want you guys to uh, really be thinking about your serious cigar questions, like legitimate cigar questions, um, because Mr. Jonathan of the Cigar Authority, he's been on the show with me a couple of times, and, um, you know, if you've listened to the Cigar Authority, you know, he's the, he's the little asshole one that kind of sits in the middle and typically is just kind of a jerk, but uh, the thing about him is that while he can be a bit 
abrasive at times. He actually really knows a shit ton about cigars. And so he's going to come on to the June Ask the Boys episode with me. And he's going to help me out by answering um, cigar questions. So we're going to have a legitimate cigar expert on the show with us. And um, you guys can get your actual cigar questions answered by somebody who knows what the hell they're talking about. So, you know, when you're calling into the hotline this month, you know, put a little put a little thought into an, an actual cigar question. If you have a burning cigar question, if you want to know about maintaining your humidor, if you want to know about, you know, why do I get these mouse holes? Why do I get um, uh, voids, tobacco voids in the cigar? You know, why is it that uh, when I relight my cigar, my cigar tastes like shit? You know, whatever. Whatever the question happens to be, um, you know, call in. Leave your message, area code 863-874-0000, and uh, get your question answered by uh, myself and Mr. Jonathan. And then if you have some wretched questions to throw in there, too, I mean, you know, that could be fun. Anyway, so, now that we've got all that out of the way, I did say it was going to be a bit of abbreviated, but it's going to also have a view of the past. And this is where I get into that. So, um... Back on April the 23rd of this year, um, Steve Zengel of Los Kaidos Cigars, he passed away at the age of 52. And we had Steve on the show um, back a number of years ago. And he is a uh, super, super nice guy. And um, we... uh, we really enjoyed our conversation with him, and I took a little time going back, trying to find the episode, because, you know, my organization skills aren't great, and this is where having a millennial would have been nice, and I've been meaning to replay this interview, um, because I think, if nothing else... Steve's story is one that should be both inspiring to all of us, but also a, um, for lack of a better word, a warning to all of us as well. And what I mean by that is he's an inspiration because he's a guy who was knocked down a couple of different ways, um, but he did what he wanted. And he was making go of it and was doing well. And he was on an upward slide. And he was doing well and not just doing well for himself, but also he was finding ways to help others. And it was a great it was a great inspirational story in that regard. Um, additionally Sorry, I'm trying to keep my cigar going here. Additionally, I feel like it's a warning. Because You can't tell me that on April 22nd, 2023, that Steve thought, well, tomorrow's the day I'm going to pass away. So, you know, I need to do X, Y, Z. And none of us know when our time is up. And we all have our to-do lists that we always think about. And we all, you know, have our, oh, I'll do that tomorrow kind of things. And we have our dreams. We have our things that we'd like to do, that we'd like to accomplish. And um, 
we put them off. We put them off because, oh, I don't have time for that today because I had to work and I'm exhausted. Or, oh, I'll do that after the kids are older. Or I'll do that when, you know, I've got a few nickels to rub together or this and that and whatever. We put off our dreams and we put off what's important to us. And we need to knock that off because time is short and we don't know how much time we have. And so I wanted to revisit this interview both as a tribute to Steve, um, but then also as a, uh, a reminder to all of us that when you have the opportunity to do something that you want to do, just suck it up and do it because you don't know how much time you have left. So anyway, I'm going to conclude this episode because I have to go pick up my kid. Love the 20-acre farm. It's a little light for my taste, uh, but right now, like I said, having not had a cigar all weekend, it's hitting the palate really, really well. I got it in the June My Monthly Cigars box. You can get your own My Monthly Cigars box by going over to MyMonthlyCigars.com and checking that out. And um, Otherwise, guys, uh, I will be back Friday with another episode. Please enjoy this interview with Steve Zengel of Los Kaidos Cigars. Stay safe and stay smoky. And we're joined today by Steve Zengel. He's the owner of Los Kaidos Cigars. How are you, Steve? I'm doing great. How are you all doing? Thanks so much for having me today. Oh, thanks for taking time out of your day to talk to us. So before we get into your cigars, tell us a little bit about yourself. Kind of how did you get into cigars, uh, both as a hobby, and then how did you end up uh, developing your line here? Yeah, so... Um, casually got into cigars with a dear friend of Villanova University every time we drank. Didn't have a first formal cigar until uh, I'm a big basketball guy. Uh, you know, most of my life was centered around the game of basketball. So when I was about 26, 27 years old, I was head coach of a local program and also uh, – part of an association and as part of the association I directed a basketball camp clinic one of the speakers I invited because I had worked for him and uh, for his summer camps was Pete Carrill of Princeton University and coach Carrill was an avid cigar smoker which I didn't really I never knew at the time um, so I went to pay him and I had like 450 475 whatever 500 bucks cash and envelope to pay him for coming and talking to everybody and he said he didn't want the cash. He wanted five cigars. And I shit myself. I was like, my gosh, this guy doesn't want money. He wants cigars. Like these things got to be good. So this was pre phone, you know, a lot of that stuff. So I had to ask the guys and gals in the clinic, like, does anybody here smoke cigars? Do you know where I could go buy five cigars? Like coach curl wants cigars as payment. Like I need to do this now. <laughs> so everybody was laughing. They steered me in the right direction. I went to get uh, cigars and I came back with six. And Coach Curl said, Stevie, you went to Villanova. I'm at Princeton. I asked for five. There's six in here. Like, I thought you knew how to count. And I said, Coach, <laughs> I do. I, I was like, I do know how to count. I said, but anybody willing to get paid in cigars and not cash, I had to find out. I have to find out what these things are really about. Because I had a couple, you know, Chris and every, my friends at, uh, you know, Villanova in college. But I was already half in the back wasted, you know, with beers and shots and all that shit so i'd never really truly enjoyed a cigar I just smoked them but never really enjoyed them yeah. there's more to do like social party and whatever in the 80s and then with coach carrell he's like you never had a cigar i said no never but one of those is for me so he said wait right here so he goes to his car and got this stuff that i now know are a cutter and lighter 
and he did this stuff to my cigar and all of a sudden he gave it to me and he said, take a few puffs. Don't breathe it in. Just breathe it out. Breathe it out. Like you're running a lap. Just breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe out. So on the steps of St. Rose high school, Pete Carrillo lit for me, my first cigar. And I had my first real cigar with him. And no, I don't remember what it was. I, I was going to really, ask you what it was. No, I, I have no idea what it was. I just remember the moment and it was a, it was a great experience, but I could not tell you what it was. I was not interested. I didn't know at the time. It's a big thing to remember. Like what's your first cigar? You know yeah, what I mean? It's yeah. like, I can't tell you what my first beer was. I just drank the damn thing. So <laughs> it's, uh, you know, so I didn't know, but had I known it was a big thing, I probably would have been paying closer attention to it. But to me, it was a cigar. I enjoyed the experience and that that's that. But yeah, so that got me kind of into it and I really enjoyed it. Um, ever since then, I really, and, and when I say really enjoyed it, it wasn't like I was a cigar day type of guy, but I did like when I was in the mood to relax and chill out and think about things absolutely i'd go to a cigar so i really just enjoyed it and then uh you know fast forward 2007 um basketball was still a large part of my life i just got done coaching um a kid that was going to go to the nba draft be a lottery pick in the summer a friend of mine just got a head job down at hampton university knew that i was actively still coaching a lot of these high-level players and he's like, listen, man, I got a job down here. Do you want it? Um, I need a coach. I said, absolutely. I go down there. And then my wife comes home one day after moving down to Virginia. She's starting to learn the territory, the area and everything else. Um, she comes to me one day and says, by the way, honey, I don't know if you know this, but there's a beautiful cigar shop in town. And that's all she had to say to me. <laughs> and I was like, she lost me for so it was really bad because I'm on a road coach all the time. And then, the you know, when I wasn't, I was there. So uh, it was kind of funny. I tell her all the time. I said, you're responsible for all of this. That's funny. So, that's funny. Yeah. So that's how that's how really, you know, long story made very short. That's how I got into it. And, uh, you know, that that retailer in Virginia, while I was working at Hampton University, you know, we didn't make the NC2A tournament fired my boss next guy kept wanted to keep me but i knew he wanted to bring his other guys and he was just being nice so i decided to leave and i went to work at that cigar shop oh. and the name of that cigar shop was emerson's um it's in virginia beach chesapeake uh hampton you know he's got like four or five locations and it's full circle i was working there for a few months you know, we had no ties to Virginia. My wife wanted to come back home so the kids could be closer to the grandparents. So we did that. And I opened up my own cigar shop based on that experience. Didn't want to do anything else in life. Loved the cigars. Loved the shop. Loved the vibe it brought. I said, you know what? This is what I want to do in life. So I started a cigar shop in Seaside Heights, New Jersey in March 2012. And it was there for about eight months before Hurricane Sandy fixed that because oh. it was on the beach. It was on the boardwalk. Oh, man. So, yeah, it washed that shit away real fast. And then I had nothing to do. And about a year later, I started opening up again. And Scott, the owner of Emerson's in Virginia, is a really, he was born in New Jersey. So he knew of the devastation the hurricane brought and everything else. And he called, you know, we were talking. He goes, what do you need? I said, Scott, I need a whole new shop. And he said, no, seriously, what do you need? I said, seriously, I need a whole new shop. So he sent me about, 20, I, I can't recall exactly, might have been $23,000, dollars or more of uh, MSRP retail inventory. And there was a note inside that said, pay me back when you can. 
Oh, and that's man. how I was able to start up again. That's Very awesome. Cool. That's awesome of him. So touching on that for a minute, I mean, what kind of emotions or what did you deal with when, you know, this act of God comes through and just wipes out your 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 business like that? I mean, I can't even fathom that. Uh, yeah, when, when, when you see it, you can fathom it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it, it's hard to like when the people went through the tsunami, like, uh, you know, in any any great catastrophe, like I was only 35, 40 minutes from 9-11. So you could see that shit from the from the like when we go to the beach and look north, you could see this like you could just see there a lot of kids were involved that I taught um, their parents died, you know, so it was just really, really hard. So high school guys. So the the reason I tell you that is because when you realize when you're actively seeing in your mind, it might be one thing. Right. Like the New Orleans hurricane, Katrina, like all that type of stuff happens. We see it on the news and you try to imagine it and you use the phrase like you just said, you can't fathom it. But once you see it, like I had a cigar shop. Big deal. You know, people lost their homes. They had nowhere to sleep. I was still going back home. I lost a cigar shop. You know, I still have my wife, still have my kids. Everybody was healthy. I lost a cigar shop. Big deal. It's a really great perspective to have on it, though. You know what I'm saying? Like people lost, people lose, people lose lives in catastrophes like that. They lose homes. They lose memories. They lose like, where the hell are they going to shower, eat, sleep? They, I mean, it's gone forever for them. And then people felt so bad for me because I lost about 600 cigars and I couldn't go somewhere the next morning to sell them. Are you shitting me? So I was just on my hands and knees thanking God that, you know, my family's safe. We have a roof over our head, you know, like all that stuff. It makes you realize what you do have and what to be thankful for. I have a very bad language, but I'm pretty spiritual and always thankful for my blessings. And I always pray for forgiveness on my language. But other than that, I'm pretty in tune, you know, like I, I am thankful for, you know, everything we have. And that was just moments like that are just reminders to me of all the good that I do have. That's all. Oh, that's that's a like I said, that's a great outlook on that Absolutely situation. Great attitude to have, yeah. you know, because I mean, a lot of people right now are dealing with that with um, with COVID and um, dealing with uh, seeing their businesses, you know, go down uh, because of because of the COVID uh, shutdown and everything. And so, you know, I, I think I don't know. I, I I like that attitude. I like that perspective on it. Absolutely. So. Yeah, and we could even spend a couple minutes talking about that because everybody, like, so I'm the only guy in the company, right? And yeah. at the time, there were a lot of criticisms around it. It was like, uh, you're a small company. You don't have any sales reps. We never see you, you know, this, that, the other thing. And now with COVID, I don't have a staff of 14 that I have to lay off or fire. So where are those 14 people? Like, when when you're a bigger company and you have a lot of things like employees whose families might be relying on that paycheck, so like COVID happened, I didn't have to lay anyone off for fire. I didn't have to lose sleep overnight or where people who might've been working for me have to worry about PPP or where they're going to get the paycheck from. Yeah. Like it's it. My wife is a veterinarian. She's going to work every day. She's supporting the family. Like I'm good. I don't have the disease. Nobody died. Like, okay, so what? My cigar sales slowed to a near halt when it first happened. Like, if that's the worst thing that's going to happen to me today, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, all right, shit, I didn't sell a cigar for two months. Whoops. You know, like, 
if that's, and I'm not saying I didn't, I'm just saying in that example, Yeah. I think just people really have to push, you know, just keep it real, so, you know, like puts, put stuff into perspective. It's not that big a deal. So touching on that for a moment then, um, did you, uh, uh, circling back to COVID there, um, have you seen an increase since things have kind of started to open back up a little bit and are things kind of coming back for you a little bit? Yeah, I'm going to be really frank with you because this is something I'm, you know, I'm from Jersey. I always say what I feel. I never try to intentionally hurt feelings. Yeah. But I, I think I'm hurting your feelings more by bullshitting you, right? So I'm just going to be real with you and everybody else who might be listening. Yeah. What I did find, right, like David Garofalo, two guys, he wrote a book on how to be a great retailer for a reason. Like of all the retailers, we're in about 144 stores now, 24 states. Um and Washington, D.C. So we're out there a little bit. David ordered more throughout all of COVID. Wow. He's been increasing his orders with me because they're going faster online. His SEO is now greater than some of the bigger online players, right? Yeah. So he's doing things right. Now, other people, um, and I do, this is a lot from coaching, right? You're going to the championship game. Your best player breaks their ankle. All right, sorry, what are you going to do? Like, you have to adapt and adjust. You can't make excuses all day and feel bad about yourself and just go in there saying, no, we took an 80-point loss because our best player got set. Sorry. Like, the other players don't want to hear that shit. You know, like, hey, coach, you still got us. Like, we're here to win a game. And in looking at the retailers throughout the country, <clears throat> I'm start, I, I start to see which ones are those who adapt and adjust and really try to make things happen for the betterment of their business and everything else. They try to keep going. And there are certainly others who are saying, Ah, uh, COVID sucks, and they give up, and it's just like, come on, man, we could do this together. Like, think, adapt, adjust. Like, let's get going, right? So, yeah. David Graffle and some others are those guys who are adapting and adjusting, and they're kicking ass. And there are others who just want to give up. So, you know, we that's had, what I'm noticing, and it's been interesting. We had the exact same thing happen here in St. Louis when we had the Rams. Um, you know, our quarterback got hurt. And we had to put in our backup quarterback who turned out to be Kurt Warner and won the Super Bowl that year. Yeah. So you're exactly right. Yeah. yeah. You know, like you just got to, you got to roll like all right, Hurricane Sandy happened. What are you going to do? You know, like COVID happened. What are you going to do? So anyway, that's what I've been looking at very, very closely during this time. And uh, I'm just trying to be there any possible way I could support you know, retailers, um, I've, we've had a couple events. The first event I had was in New Hampshire with David. The first day they were allowed to open May 14th. I went up there. Uh, we had a great event at Spartan in Elkton, Maryland a couple weeks ago. Uh, we're having a couple others coming up. So I, you know, it's, it's starting to come back, but that's, what's been really interesting for me to see as manufacturers who are the retailers that are really working their asses off thinking, adapting, adjusting, and who's just kind of throwing a towel in. Gotcha. Interesting. So then how did you transition from having a uh, cigar shop to having a cigar brand? So after I reopened, after the Hurricane Sandy, I needed money, mostly a credit card to build. Like I lost all my money in the shop and outfitting it, you know, and all that stuff, ordering inventory. Like I put every penny I, I had saved up into that thing before losing it. So when I had, when I started to reopen without Scott's generosity, I had also, I needed something. So I couldn't apply for credit cards because I had no stated income, right? So nobody was giving me a credit card. I had to go back 
and I have a doctorate degree in education. I was hanging on my wall behind a register in Seaside, and I guess the superintendent of schools was in to buy cigars one summer, or that summer, I should say, not one summer. And he called me and he goes, is that doctorate degree real? <laughs> I was like, yeah, it's real. So he goes, I said, the one hanging behind your register in that cigar shop? I said, yes, it's real. I have a doctorate. He said, well, listen, I know you're not selling cigars anymore in Seaside. Why don't you come work for me at my school? I said, what are you talking about? He goes, I'm a superintendent and we're having a lot of problems. So what was happening is their school teachers were leaving the classroom. They were telling the kids like old school shit, right? Put your head down. Don't make any noise. Be really good boys and girls. I have to go meet my plumber at the house because we're trying, we need to have plumbing after Sandy. Like we need to fix our toilets. Oh wow! So they were leaving school, leaving these 20, 23 kids totally unsupervised. And it, they were allowing it to happen because everybody in the school community had gone to school there. They all knew each other. So the wow. principals, vice principals, everybody was kind of turning a blind eye, letting it happen. And no parent, no nobody was complaining about it because they were all in the same boat. They all lost their homes. And everybody was kind of commiserating through that together. Yeah. But still, it was against school law. You can't leave a room of kids alone. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. So he brought me in there and it's like, listen, you don't know anybody be try to be cool about it. Don't be hard guy, but I can't, I just can't let people be leaving like that anymore. So I, you know, I went in there, worked really, really hard, talked to the teachers, let them go do whatever they had to do. I'd watch a lot of classes. I mean, it was a lot of work, did it. Um, so that job allowed me to then apply for credit cards to go build the shop. And as I started that process is when Scott kicked up the inventory from Virginia to help me out. And then also at the time, I needed somebody to manage the place. And there was a guy, Frank Lancelotti. He was a retired wall cop. My shop was in Wall, New Jersey. And he was always coming in to buy cigars. And I said, Frank, I can't manage the place and be high school vice principal anymore. It's taking too much of my time down there. Can you manage the daytime hours? And I didn't, I mean, shit. He said, he was saying yes before I even finished the sentence. So he comes in to manage the shop. And I was down there doing a the vice principal. I'd come up at nights, weekends, and everything else. I'd be at the shop every every time I could be. When that was going on, two police officers in town here near it were brutally murdered. One was Christopher Matlos at a Lakewood by a gangbanger, and the other one was Mark Castellano on a Highway 195 chasing a, a false made-up suspect. Um, so we then, because of Frank's affiliation to the law enforcement community, we became the shop to go out there with Beach House Cigars branded Ashton Premium House Selection Cigars. And we were going on a golf course, trying to raise money, selling them for 10 bucks each, um, you know, and then giving some of the money back. But it felt horrible because here I, I was taking home 200 and giving them 100 and it was all on the backs of fallen officers. So I felt a little bit like a scumbag, you know, and, yeah. and like um, I had a shower afterwards. It just didn't feel right. So I talked to the guys at Jersey Mike's about it quite a few times. They came into my shop. They're founded in the same hometown, um, close friends with a few of them. And they're like, listen, stop complaining about it. Get a set of balls. Give everything up that you're doing and give back through cigars like we're doing through sub sandwiches. So I thought about it for about a week or two. And then soon after submitted my resignation from my high school vice principalship so I could focus on building the cigar brand that gives a dollar back on every cigar to the family members of the fallen officers like they had suggested. So 
um, that's how that started. And I was done. I saw the year out, fulfilled my obligation to June of that year. And then shortly thereafter, we came out with Los Caídos, which is Spanish for the fallen, to sell cigars and give a dollar back on every cigar sold. So I shut the shop down, stopped being a vice principal and kind of started that. Wow. Very wow. cool. So tell us about Los Caídos Cigars then. So Los Caídos Cigars, it's uh, like I said, it's Spanish for the fallen. It's made by the Taps Factory in Nicaragua with Aganorsa Leaf, 100%. Uh, they've done everything with me since 2015, 16 outside of the Ashton House cigar that I was going around on the golf courses with. Um, but my own cigars manufacturing, they've always done. Paul Palmer is the president of the company. I consider him a mentor, a friend. He's always been there for me in the industry. Couldn't have been. I will I will absolutely not have been where I am right now without his presence in my life. That's for 100% certainty. Um, so I, I owe a lot to him. And when we were blending the cigars, I didn't, I knew I was going to, be doing it right as soon as I put my resignation and I still had three or four months before the school year ended. So I knew I was doing it. And basically I told him, these are all the things I love smoking. Right. So I went to at the time, Cas Fernandez because I was smoking all of their cigars. I thought they were flavorful as hell. I loved the taste. No, they were nowhere near Aganorsa at that time. They were only Cas Fernandez and they were better known for making Dion stuff at Luzione um, Andre stuff at Viaje, they were known because Nick Melillo and those guys at Drew Estate were like the second largest purchaser of their tobacco for so many of the Drew Estate products. So I had known the reputation for making other guys great cigars, but they made some pretty damn good cigars themselves, and that's who I wanted to make my cigar. So I sent them a ton of cigars, I'd say probably five or six. I said, these are my favorites that are produced out of the taps of factory. Here's my challenge. I said, when you light up a Los Caidos cigar, when I envision being in a room, we're going to remember the loved one that we lost. So you're going to have to have a cigar, the bridges, the seldom cigar smoker that just wants to partake in that ceremony with the everyday cigar smoker. How the hell do you do that? Where you bridge a mild cigar smoker to a full bodied cigar smoker in the same cigar because this was 2016, it was months before the predicate date of August 8th, where you had to get the cigar in the market because no one knew what the FDA was doing. It was not about to release five different, six different lines to appeal to each taste, even three, right? Mild, medium, full. Yeah. I wasn't about to do that. So I said, I need one cigar that everybody could smoke from the mild cigar smoker to the full bodied cigar smoker. And Arsenio Ramos went to work. Um, they mailed like 44, you know, you, you test cigars in groups of two, right? To, yeah. to verify. So they sent probably 22 sets of two cigars to the Miami factory location. And when I had opportunities to go from New Jersey to Miami on a weekend or a couple of days off from school break, Easter break, that type of stuff, I went down there and we picked about a three or four day stretch where we sat down and just tasted them blend, you know, tasted all the blends, smoked them. And about the 10th, 11th one, if I recall correctly, maybe the 12th, um, I said, this is it. And it's the blend you're smoking right now. The the blue. Yeah, the blue and the red are the same exact cigar. Oh, okay. okay. The only thing that changes is we give a dollar back on every blue label to family members of fallen police officers, on the red label to family members of fallen firefighters. But it is the same exact cigar. I have not released a new cigar since 2016. Okay, okay. I didn't realize that. So, I did not either. 
Um, yeah. That's very cool. So uh, one of the things that I did want to touch uh, on you or touch with you on – was um, yeah, that sounded a little weird. It did. It did. Yeah, let's go. How about? How about? See, I'm not gonna lie. I, I have to keep Nick from touching the guests. <laughs> it's a good thing you're on the phone today. He's very one place touchy. where I can touch you. And what? <laughs> one of the things I wanted to touch on was your packaging. Uh, can you get into your packaging a little bit? I'm glad sure. you added and the that's an even yeah, that's an even funnier word. Like I can touch your package. Like what the <laughs> hell are we doing on this show, man? Oh, you have no idea. So, yeah. <laughs> anyway, you so, might have I'm wanted kidding. to listen before you came on. Just say it. <laughs> I'm just teasing. No. So anyway, back to your package. Yeah. Re- <laughs> regarding regarding that. Um, you know, when we first came out, I I didn't know. I really didn't know what I was doing. There's a, there's a even funnier story. The first customer that ever picked it up was actually Cigars International. Even before I started selling it in my own store, somebody had come down and started vacationing in the summer. They were all in the boxes, and I guess it was an employee of CI. And then I, they called me to a meeting out there, and they, they actually bought the first, like, 300 of the 500 boxes. And after that, it was just done. Um, so I owe a lot to Cigars International, Craig Reynolds, Laura Barlow, um, you know, Jeff Coker and all those, all those guys. So when I first designed it, I didn't know any better. And I immediately got the five largest, the five union presidents of the largest unions in the country. So I talked to John McNesby of Philly, Ray Hunt in Houston, Tyler Eisen in Los Angeles, Patty Lynch in New York, and, uh, I want to say Diagas, I could never really say his name properly out of Chicago. So we, we got together and I basically said, any of you five guys smoke cigars and Ray Hunt and Houston and Tyler Risen were big cigar smokers. So I said, perfect. I said, I don't want to design this because it's your community. I'm honoring your fallen officers. You design it, like help me design this thing. And artists, they were not. So when I got a lot of their designs back, I felt like it was what, and some other guys in the industry do this, they, they market it, right? They're, they're, they're like, I don't know. One of them had like Tyler sent me back a picture, like a, a Los Angeles police badge with my initials in it. And I was like, dude, we're honoring the lives of fallen. They're, like, I'm not doing this cheesy marketing shit. Like you're kidding me with this. So anyway, couldn't have it. I, but I did ask them for their input. I think they appreciated that. And then I decided because we had, we need the scores are being made. We needed to come out with something. I just decided to have a script Los Caidos in blue uh, on a black background. Um, it sucked. You couldn't see it. It was very hard to identify. And I, I, I mean, I'm, I have no qualms admitting I did way more wrong than I did right. So, you know, I printed out the index card. I didn't use Jason Shank at Action or anybody else. I did that shit off of you print. It looked horrible. None of the blue fonts matched each other. I mean, it was just, it was laughable at best, right? But I had really good cigars, <laughs> so I was okay with that. Um, and that was the packaging in 2016. And then when we came back, and I'm just, are you guys still there? Yeah. Because I know I'm talking a lot, yeah. and I just don't want to lose. I didn't know if I lost you again. Yeah, we're here. So in 2000, we're, we're that was listening. that was. No, it's a no. Listen, I'll talk about my package all day long. So <laughs> that was that was 16. And then we sold out quickly once Cigars International got behind it. And um, 
I mean, that I owe a huge debt of gratitude to them as well. We sold out pretty quickly and now I had to make more, but I learned about profit margin, right? So I didn't make enough money giving the dollar back to keep the lights on or do anything else. So I had to regroup. So I took a year and a half off, went back into a classroom, taught a little bit. So I, I didn't want to go back into being vice principal. That job was always going to be there. He, we were very close friends. He even said to me, hey, listen, anytime we want the job back at yours, I didn't want that. <clears throat> so I taught at a local high school. I was home every day, 2.30, 3 o'clock. And all I was doing was working on a business, working on a business, working on a business idea. We came back in December 2018. And during that spring summertime um you know i had a two other people helping me with it and we looked at things and they're like listen what do you want to do with the cigar and i said i want to it's our three pillars are empathy philanthropy and celebration of the human spirit right so put yourself in someone else's shoes be thankful for what you have and give back and we thought the best words to use that were meeting new people having fun and helping others and it was based on that kind of why that we said, let's use a logo with two hands coming together. So we said, perfect, right? That's unity, that's firefighters, that's police officers, that's everything. Oh, and to, to digress a little bit, in 2016, we were only law enforcement. We only had the blue line. The red line only came out on August 8th, the day it was due to the FDA, because firefighters were telling me that they have a, a lot of guys dying in the line of duty as well. And they felt I was being unfair, focusing only on law enforcement. That's why we came out with the red line. Okay. If firefighters hadn't busted my balls here in Jersey about what I was doing, I don't <laughs> think to this day we'd have a red line. Well, good, but good, for, they, good for them. Oh yeah, they, it was told, and and now the veterans are coming out and saying some things. So I really, but I, I take it right. So if somebody wants me to do something for them, I'm going to explore it. Um, but I was ignorant to the case because the only two, the only people that were coming to me at the time were the guys for Mark and and Chris. Right. So I didn't realize I only came out with Los Kaidos because I was trying to help the, that specific group of guys who was trying to raise money for those families. And then once the firefighters said, hey, this is happening to us, too. I said, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. Let's go. We're right on it. Get a red label. You know what I mean? So I just takes any feedback I get. I try to put into practice if it's if it's worthy and can help somebody. That's awesome. So on that premise, we had two hands together. Right. Everybody coming together, police, fire, good cause. Like it just felt great. And initially we used two white hands. Right. I didn't know. I didn't think of anything. I just said, all right, two hands come together. Everybody on the team was white. Said, all right, we'll do that. And then we put it on the board and it was <laughs> I'll always remember this. It was hysterical. It was a focus group and we're sitting in my friend's office and we're looking at it and on a board no problem it looked great and it was so funny because the guy who the only guy in the room the graphic designer who did not smoke cigars says hey this is all cool but let me show you what that looks like on a cigar band <laughs> right like it's one thing when it's on a six foot by eight foot <laughs> like tv screen right yeah, yeah. but then all of a sudden when he shrunk that shit down to a cigar band it looked like a pregnant bird we're like, what the <laughs> hell is that? And he's like, there are your two white hands. I was like, oh, my God, it looks like a dove. Like, is this for peace? Like, what is this? It, you could, it was unrecognizable. It was horrible. So then he said, listen, the easiest thing to contrast white with is black. So he put that up there, and it, it actually looked good both 
large and it was easily identifiable on a smaller cigar band. So he said, that's perfect. That's what we're going with. And it was only because of contrast. Well, little did I know, of course, nobody could see what happened this year. Nobody could call that. Um, and now everybody's reaching out to me saying, hey, bro, you trying to bring races together through this cigar? This is great. And I was like, I never intended that to be the case. But if that's how you're interpreting it, that's awesome. You know, let's have that conversation. Yeah. So what I've been finding is that our cigar band, especially given that we are helping fallen police officers, families with that logo, it's bringing everybody together. And it's a beaut- It's a great thing. That is. I awesome. mean, it's everybody's always talking about how cigars are great at bringing together. You could bring black, white, rich, poor, Christian, Jew, gay, straight. Like, well, now's the time to prove that shit, right? So I love going into cigar shops and having people say, "You support law enforcement?" Yep. And then this logo's black and white. Yep. Like, let's talk. Let's have it out. Let's have a real conversation about that. And I've never had anybody be upset mean and not towards me or the brand with each other i mean we have deep conversations we had an incredible conversation at the spartan cigar lounge in elkton maryland where you had black law enforcement officers women men whites you know what i mean you had the whole gamut it was such a diverse group and there were there were some heated opinions heated conversations and when i say heated it's like they disagreed with each other but they didn't want to shoot each other they didn't want to fight. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it was just awesome. It was absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. And I said, man, if this is what we could do, I'm, I'm all in. So that's what I'm looking for for opportunities. I'm really looking for COVID to simmer down, more things to open up. And then I'm hitting the road and I'm um, inviting that conversation. Well, and that's one of the things that Nick and I talk about a lot is the fact that Smoking cigars and cigar lounges brings together people. It is the great equalizer. And I love the fact that your cigars in that band is helping do that as well. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. I feel I feel the same way, the same exact way. So thank you for for uh, saying that. Maybe I'll get down your way. We'll have a conversation ourselves over one of these cigars. Where are you guys at? You're down at, near St. Louis or we're, where are you? Yeah, we're in the St. Louis area. So Nice. Yeah. Um. So then tell me about the empty space in the box. So the empty space, um, you know, the, the guy I used to have cigars with casually over a couple beers. He was a little bit better of a student than I was. Um, but we were very close friends, mostly through basketball. He was a huge Villanova basketball fan. I was a huge basketball fan. Um, so we had met. He was from South River, New Jersey. And we met freshman year. Uh, Villanova core hall and stayed friends throughout the four years. We became very, very, very close. And he was one of the guys who died in nine 11, two months after my wedding. Right. So he was at my wedding and, and stayed in my sister's house that night. And then who wouldn't, that was June 29th. And then all of a sudden, September 11th, he's gone. Uh, and it, it wrecked me. It really ruined. It wrecked me. I still haven't been able to go back to New York city uh, because of it to, to see ground zero. Um, my son's named after him. It, it was just, it took a lot out of me. Um, and to this day, it's still difficult to talk about, but I'm getting better through it. You know what I mean? So, uh, just time, time is helping. So every September 11th, since he died, I smoke a cigar in my backyard and I talk to him. So I assume that when I'm doing that, he's having one with me. 
right? And I know it's it's corny to most people, but it's one of my favorite days of the year, <laughs> you know, because I think I'm hanging out with them. So I wanted people to have that same experience. I wanted to bring my experience to those people who just wanted to take a moment from their busy lives and remember the loved one they lost and even have a conversation with them over a cigar. So that empty space is the cigar that the person that you loved and are remembering and are smoking with, that's the one they're having from upstairs. Dude, that's phenomenal. That is really nice. Yeah. Yeah, no, that that's it's a lot of a lot of very touching, poignant stuff to that that surrounds your brand and your story. And uh it's 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 nice that you've got a cigar that you're giving back and and all that, but it's also nice that it it's not just it's like you said, it's not just a marketing thing. There's there's a lot more to it than that. Well, and there are also so many people around the country, like myself, that didn't have a personal connection like that um, to 9-11, but were also of the mind that we can't ever forget what happened there. And, you know, you and people out on the East Coast obviously, you know, have a lot more personal experience with friends and family that were lost there. And, you know, it, it, that just speaks volumes for what you're doing. Well, thank you so much for that. And the other thing, too, is like we've all lost somebody we loved probably. And even if not, what I encourage people to do while they light up a Los Caidos cigar is just reflect on somebody that's not you. Right. Like it's maybe you didn't lose somebody that you loved so much in life, but maybe your friend did. Or maybe you passed a car today that you saw get into an accident and it was really bad. And the first thing everyone does, they get so pissed off, right? Like, oh, my God, you made me late 35 minutes for my interview. How dare you? Not realizing the person in the accident could have been a mother of three. Yeah. And she died. And now those kids don't get to have mom home for dinner tonight. And then we're fucking mad because we didn't make our interview one time. So that's what I want Los Kaidos to do for people. Just slow down, relax, light up, and really start putting stuff into perspective, you know, and, and that's the only, that's one of the biggest things I think I want our brand to do for people. Just get a little grounded, get a little better perspective, live life a little bit happier, you know, don't hurt anybody. And let's just go through this together as best we can be. And that's what I want. Really Los Kaidos. It started the way it is, the way we talked about today, but there's so much more I have planned, but that's, that's what I want it to be for everybody. That is so awesome. Yeah. You know, and that that's one of the things, you know, I've been smoking cigars on and off since I was 16 years old. Nick is new to the game a couple of years ago, and I actually got him, um, you know, put the monkey on his back and got him started smoking cigars. And that was one of the things that I tried to convey to him is, you know, this is a chance to sit down, reflect, review, and relax. And that's what cigars do for you. Mm-hmm. For me, 100%. Yep, definitely. For me, 100%. Like, it was funny because when we were texting about the show, you're like, I was like, yep, every night I'm in the back, 637, let's go, I'll light up, I'll reflect, this will be great. <laughs> and then you're like, yeah, we want to do a Monday afternoon at 4. I was like, okay, so maybe not so much reflection, but I'll be on. <laughs> yeah, that's that. I'm just kidding. In due fairness, you did say offer Sunday. I just couldn't do it yesterday. Yeah, well. But in, in to your fairness, you did. <laughs> it's all right. That's all right. So. Um, so you're in a hundred and how many stores? 124? Yes. We're in about a hundred and, uh, I don't, I, I have to, we just picked up a really, really nice 
really, really nice um, account. It's one owner in Maine with 21 locations. Oh, wow. So I was very happy about that. That happened last week, about 10 days ago. Um, Ken Nagle up at Cigarette Choppers. Uh, so I'm just very, very blessed for that opportunity. And so that added another state to our portfolio. So I'm pretty sure that brought up from like 123 to 140 or 144, 154. So I have to go back and look at it, but we're, we're up there. We're definitely more than 124. Um, and we're now in like 25 states with Maine being added. That's awesome. Well, and I'll say this, we have a number of cigar shops, um, that the owners listen and follow the podcast and I'll be surprised if you don't get a few calls after, uh, you know, the podcast comes out. Yeah. Well, one of my boys is down there. Um, I definitely want to, I, I want to talk with them and I'm not asking you to circumvent this or, or make ways or anything else, but there's a guy and I don't know what the more reputable shops are. I don't know who you have relationships with, who your sponsors are. So please, I, if they're listening, please understand I'm entering this conversation totally ignorant, right? Yeah. But a guy I met years ago, I want to say, I forget what year at the PCA, we we're hanging out in Vegas at the uh, uh, Fuente, House of Fuente or whatever it was in the hotel there. And Dan Ponder, from Riverman Cigar <laughs> Company gave me his card and he was such a nice guy. I said, you know what? One day when I'm able to grow, like it's only me, so it's hard for me to, you know, and the other thing too, I accelerate the fundraising through charitable motorcycle rides and I took 17 of them last year all throughout the country. So I don't have a lot of time to go see retailers all over the country unless they're in one of the cities where I'm taking my rides. Um, but Dan and Dan and I met, he was a tremendous human being. And I would love to come down there and visit with him because one of the guys in the FOP, Rick and Glimma, was one of the first supporters when I went cross country in 2016. So St. Louis is near and dear to my heart. And I'm very upset with myself so far that I've not been able to get down there. But they're absolutely going to be a regular stop on mine once every three months um, in, in the years going forward, cause I'm taking a lot less rides. So I'm looking forward to meeting him again. So Steve, um, I think we can help you with yeah, that. I think, I think um, we can work something out. Dan actually sponsors the official cut on our podcast and we're actually over at Riverman quite a bit. Yeah. And, oh, uh, so you guys are good. You oh, have a good relationship. We yes. are, we are tight with Dan Ponder and Riverman That's Cigar awesome. Company. Dan so. is one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. And Dan he is, right? He's <laughs> just a good dude, dude man. And he has a lot of family history in law enforcement. His uh, oh. you know, his brother, his dad, I mean, he's got a lot of family history in St. Louis law enforcement. So, And Dan listens to the show. So, Dan, you need to uh, get in touch with Steve. I can get you a phone number. And uh, we'll, it, it's we'll, almost we'll like this we happen. set that up, but we didn't. But we totally didn't. Yeah. We were, we, we were there was, there was no setup in that because <laughs> no. I don't know. No, no setup in like, that. This is, what's, yeah. this is what's going to hurt me going forward. Like, So, I'm going to throw this out there at my own demise. Okay. Uh-oh. I don't know of any other retailer in St. Louis. So, like, <laughs> anyone listening who's in St. Louis that's not Dan Ponder, they now you have every reason to be pissed at me. But that was absolutely not a setup. No. Um, I, he's he's the only business card I have still in a file for anyone related to uh, Missouri. I think the whole the whole damn state. He's it. So I'm just. Uh, and where's Kurt Diebel's place? Is that uh, in St. Louis or is he on the can- can- like more closer to Kansas City? Kansas City, actually, and he's, we're, we're yes. big fans of that shop as well. Yep, Diebel's All right, so those are the only two guys that I that um I met from Missouri, 
and they both seem to be great people. Nah, they're they're both, both seem to be great you're, people. You're right on the money there yep. with both. Yep. So okay, well that's fantastic. Well, yeah, we can definitely. I'm uh, Dan's going to be listening to this. So so Dan, when you listen to this, just yeah. hit me up and we'll uh we'll 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 get you a phone number. We'll make for that Steve, love connection. So. Yeah. Now yes. I will throw this in for. I'll you. show him my package. <laughs> <laughs> I he made me do that too, which is really odd. The first time I came in, but that being said, uh, <laughs> anyway, Dan's going to kick my ass for that. But anyway, no. Uh, as far as Diebels, we're actually going to be out there. Hopefully, barring any COVID hiccups that happen here, they have the Kansas City Cigar Festival coming up in uh, September. Am I right there, okay. Nick? Yes. Yes. And so we'll be out at that shop, uh, you know, coming up here in, what, about a month and a half? Give or take. Yeah. Oh, that's great. So. That's great. Now, how far is that from you all? It's about, a, St. Louis. about a four-hour drive. Yeah. Four just, hours? Yep, yep. You just take 70 across the state. Yeah, they... Four uh, hours, bro. Do you know where how far you could be in New Jersey? You could leave, you could drive through the, our entire state in less than four hours. <laughs> or our, our our squares on the map are a little bigger out here. Uh, St. Louis and Kansas City bookend uh, Missouri. So yeah, definitely. But yeah, we're going to be out there in September. Holy and cow! We'll, we'll put in a good word for you when we're there. Yeah, I'll have to check it out. Maybe I mean I'm going to have to get in my car and come down there soon. So let's uh, I'll coordinate and not for business. I'll just go down and light up and enjoy a cigar. I do that a lot, but. If I'm ever through, I'd love to get up with you guys and catch up. Oh, that'd be great. Absolutely. That'd be great. So, Steve, where can people find your cigars? Obviously, you mentioned all the, the stores, but... Yeah, and our website sucks. I'm going to apologize in advance for that. I need to add the, the folks to it um, who are on it. Usually, I just let Google play it out. Um, but we're on the big online boys, right? So... Not a lot of brick-and-mortar retailers want me to say their name, so it's just they're abbreviated to two initials, and I'm in the bigger two, okay? <laughs> so we'll leave it at that. Okay. And in the local brick-and-mortars, you have Dave, uh, David Garofalo, two guys, huge supporter. You got Abe at Smokin' in Florida, Luz at Neptune, Scott Regina at Emerson's, Keith Rumbo, Club Humidor, and you have a ton of other players in between. I just don't know how good their websites are or how strong their website presence is. Huge supporters, Smokehouse in Georgia. I don't know how good the website is, right? So if you just Google Los Cajos Cigars, don't go to our site. It sucks. But go to some of, go to all the other retailers who carry us. And, uh, you know, if you want to support the brand, we give a dollar back. Um, and basically, the, dollar, the cigars that they have, they've already paid the dollar. Oh, I give okay. the dollar out of what the retailers pay me on the order. So the dollar's already in. So just you, you, you're supporting it by, if you buy the cigar, you smoke it, and you, and then you, you keep going back to it, and they have to order more. That's how we generate more dollars for the cause. Very cool. That's Very awesome. Cool. Yep. Excellent. And thank you guys so much for your time today and for inviting me on. I used to have a show, so I understand the importance of having guests on. Yeah. And you don't want. I hope I was a good enough guest for you. Oh, no, this was but great. It's too. just. It's a very humbling honor to be invited to stuff like this because your show is a very very important thing to you i imagine so i take that very very seriously so you're inviting me onto a stage that's so important to you in your life right now that it's it's extremely humbling that you would want me on as a guest for something that's so meaningful and important to you so thank you so much for this i really appreciate it no steve we really appreciate your time we appreciate all the effort and and work you've put into developing up your line and helping such a worthy cause. 
And uh, if there's anything that we can do to help you out, just, you know, other than talk to Dan, I guess, for you, um, just uh, (laughs) feel free to let us know. I have a feeling Dan will probably reach out to you the minute he hears this, and we we may uh, not even have a chance to talk to him about it. Yeah, Dan's a great guy. He'll be on the horn with you quick, I bet. It's just so funny that that that's it that happened, right? So it's just uh, that's pretty funny. Yep. That's pretty funny. Yeah. But thank you guys so much, Nick Gator. I really appreciate it, and I'll be seeing you when I come through to St. Louis. And if there's anything, I'm trying to be conscious of your time. I'll talk to you all night long. Ah. But uh, I just want to thank you guys so much. Oh, Steve, we really appreciate it, and you uh, you have a, a good day. All right. Enjoy the rest of the smoke, and have a blessed night.